Today on Blue 58, the Packers are off to San Diego, I mean Los Angeles, to face the Chargers, a team without an identity, a real home fan base, or even a stadium that's entirely their own. But other than that, I promise, they're quite formidable. Really. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you for another preview episode. As you might have guessed from our little intro there, I... I'm not terribly afraid of the Los Angeles Chargers. And that's not really the Chargers' fault. They haven't been great this year. They are 3-5. and They're third in the AFC West. And as has been the trend for the Chargers over most of the last half to full decade, a bunch of guys are on injured reserve. And they've got at least one really embarrassing loss. Currently, they have 12 people on injured reserve, including... Derwin James, Forrest Lamp, Nasir Adderley, Mike Pouncey, Travis Benjamin, Dontrell Inman, all guys who would be starters or significant tr- contributors for the Chargers this year. They also have two three-point losses this year. The embarrassing one that we were talking about was their 23-20 loss to the Titans, where they ran something like 30 plays inside the three-yard line late in the game, but couldn't score. Obviously, that's a bit of hyperbole, but that's kind of what it felt like. They had chance after chance after chance to get the ball in the end zone, and they just couldn't do it at all. And yet they're three and five, two games away from 500. It reminds me of a piece I wrote about the Packers a little over a year ago. At the time, the Packers were kind of sliding, slouching, skidding towards the middle of their season. And they weren't necessarily terrible, but they weren't scaring anybody either. And so I wrote a piece outlining why I thought the Packers were not so much bad as irrelevant. And I think irrelevant is one of the worst things you can be in sports. There are two things I think you want to be as a professional sports team, either really, really good or really, really bad. If you're really, really good, you are at the pinnacle of what you're supposed to be doing in your sport of choice. If you're the Packers. Uh, for instance, you're 7-1 and one this year. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're winning games. You're um, scaring opponents. You're making it difficult for them. You're contending for a championship. If you're the Dolphins, tanking or not, and you haven't won a game yet this year, you're putting yourself in position to maximize the assets that you do have, your draft picks, your cap space, because you're clearing out a bunch of it by trading everybody you have. What you don't want to be is hanging around in the middle. And that's kind of where the Chargers are. And that's kind of where the Chargers have been kind of for a long time. Just around 3 and 5, that 9 and 7 to 7 and 9 sort of hellhole in the middle of the NFL. Not so bad that you get a really good draft pick. Not so good that you can really contend in the playoffs if you make the playoffs at all. And that feels like the Chargers this year. And I say that with the utmost respect to Chargers fans. This has to be a really tough franchise to root for. Not only are they perennially among the most injured teams in the league, it seems like, not only have they had a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback for almost two decades now because Phillip Rivers has played forever, not only have you had a bunch of exciting players in that time, think LaDainian Tomlinson, Darren Sproles in there, Sean Merriman, Junior Seau. You just don't have a whole lot to show for it. And now you're 
Dunderhead owner has often moved you to Los Angeles, something the NFL wasn't even expecting, and you've got to play in this tiny little stadium where you get outnumbered by road fans each and every week because there are no Chargers fans in Los Angeles. That's a real bummer. And then you have to be an also-ran almost every year, stuck in the middle, unable to really bottom out or really max out your team. That kind of stinks. What else kind of stinks is just the team itself sometimes. Their offense isn't great. They're 23rd in scoring, 16th by efficiency, according to Football Outsiders. Their defense is 10th in scoring, but they're giving up a bunch of damage in the passing game. They are 27th by efficiency there, mostly because of their 25th ranked passing defense. So, not a great ball club the Packers are facing here. Again, Injuries, a big problem, a bunch of identity problems for the team, the franchise as a whole. Not a great situation for the Chargers. Let's talk through this team, though, and see what we can learn about the Los Angeles Chargers as the Packers prepare to face them on Sunday. Starting with the quarterback, you've got Phillip Rivers in his 16th season. He is 38 years old. Not a statistically super exciting year for Rivers, and you start to wonder if he may be slowing down a little bit. He has 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions so far this year. He has posted so far this season the second lowest passer rating of his career since 2013, so just since 2013, I guess. He's posted the second lowest QBR of his career, and he's throwing touchdowns at the lowest rate of his career so far. All things considered, still performing fairly well in some of the efficiency numbers. Football Outsiders has him in the top 12 of both of the things that they track, DYAR, DVOA. Uh, Those numbers, you can go look that up for yourself if you want to see a look at exactly how he compares to some of his uh, some of his compatriots. But it's 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 the back half here for Philip Rivers, and I don't think that's putting too fine a point on it. Thirty eight. That's a pretty good run. Uh, Sixteen seasons. No shame in that. And he still is pretty capable of a big game. He's had three games this year with a passer rating over one hundred. He tore the Dolphins apart, which you know. He's not the most prestigious honor in the world, but they're professionals too. At least most of them seem to be. Um, they're getting paid at the very least. I wouldn't sleep on Philip Rivers, I guess, is my point. Yeah, it's been a bit of a down year, but he still is a competent NFL quarterback. So you might want to account for that if you can. The running backs are a bit of a different story. You've got Melvin Gordon as the headline here, but the story really is that the Chargers running backs are just not producing super a lot this year, if at all. Austin Eckler leads the way with 251 yards, but he's averaging just three and a half yards a carry. Melvin Gordon ended his holdout and has struggled in four games since, and nobody else is really doing anything noteworthy, so we will move on. Tight ends, not super exciting here. You've got 2016 second round Hunter Henry doing the most of the damage here. He has been hurt this year and kind of throughout his career to date. But at 6'5", 250 pounds, he is a big target. And in the four games he has played this year, he's been productive. 22 catches, 304 yards, and two touchdowns. Pair that with a couple pretty decent receivers, and you've got a receiving game worth your attention. Speaking of those receivers, two to keep an eye on here. First one, Keenan Allen is a little bit banged up this week. We'll see what he does on Sunday if he's active at all. 6'2", 211, two-time Pro Bowler. He has 80 targets through eight games. 
51 catches on those 80 targets for 617 yards and three touchdowns. Not too bad. It'll be one to watch if he does play on Sunday. The other one you have to talk about is Mike Williams. 6'4", 220 pounds, seventh overall pick in the 2017 draft. He's having kind of one of those seasons you see from receivers in their third year or so. Third, fourth year, even fifth year sometimes. Wondering... Is he just figuring it out? Is he finally figuring out how to be an NFL wide receiver? Or is he just putting up some numbers that are kind of a mirage? He's got 26 catches, no touchdowns so far this year, but he is averaging 16.1 yards per catch. So when he is making plays, they do tend to be relatively big plays. Is he figuring it out? Is he not? I'm not sure. And it's kind of one of those situations with Philip Rivers throwing the ball the way that he does and has over the balance of his career. You wonder if those receivers are actually good or if their numbers just look okay because they've had to throw it a bunch of times because their running game is in the dumpster. But these are the guys you should watch, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. The offensive line doesn't have a lot of great run blocking success so far this season. They are 27th in Football Outsiders adjusted line yards, but they are proving to be pretty good pass blockers. Football Outsiders has them as the ninth-rated pass-blocking line. But they are just 17th in ESPN's pass-block win rate stat, which is I thought was an interesting disparity researching that this week. Usually the reverse. We've seen guys or seen teams that rate pretty highly uh, in ESPN's stat but tend to rank a little bit lower for Football Outsiders. I don't know why that is exactly here. And it's tough to figure out, again, all the, the problems with offensive line and stuff like that. But it is um, it is interesting, um, and it does seem like it could be a challenge for the Packers to get to Phillip Rivers. That said, he is not the most mobile quarterback in the world, so if you are going to get after a quarterback, Phillip Rivers would seem to be the guy to do it. If you can't get the ball out quickly, there could be some problems for the Chargers. Switching over to defense, not a lot to recommend on the Chargers defense. Their defensive line is 17th against the run, 19th in sack rate, and other than Joey Bosa with seven sacks, only one other Chargers player in the front seven has more than one sack this year, and that would be 2019 first-round pick Jerry Tillery, who has one and a half. Exciting. Desmond King, by the way, defensive back, has two and a half sacks for the Chargers this year, which tells you a lot about how their pass rush is going so far this season. Among their linebackers, you probably count Melvin Ingram as an edge player, an outside linebacker type. Technically, I guess football, pro football reference has him listed as a defensive end. I don't really care. The edge, outside linebacker, defensive end designations are more blurred now than ever. There's not a lot among the linebackers. That's why I threw him in this category, to be quite honest, because we needed somebody to talk about, because the only other really super notable name that you might have heard of is 36-year-old Thomas Davis. He is most notable for his time with the Carolina Panthers. He's still kicking around here. And, uh, well, he has been active for every game so far this year. And, uh, well, if you're still playing in the NFL at 36, you've got to be doing something right. Let's, let's Let's say that for him. Uh, among the defensive backs, it would be exciting to see Derwin James, a player the Packers have some serious connections to after passing over him in the 2018 NFL draft to trade back and select Jair Alexander. Uh, but he is injured, so they will not be seeing him on Sunday. The other notable defensive back, in addition to Desmond King and his two and a half sacks, is former Packers cornerback Casey Hayward, who has seven passes defensed and two interceptions so far this season. Let's talk about Hayward for a second. It is worth remembering, as much heat as the Packers and Ted Thompson have gotten since he departed, 
uh, for not resigning him that he was hardly a slam dunk to resign at the time. He had played in all 32 of the games over the over his last two seasons in Green Bay, but more of a part-time player uh, than he was um, in his rookie season even. Uh, there is... Uh, I think a perception of him as being injury prone, but he only appeared on the injury report four times over his past two years in Green Bay per pro football reference. He was not, however, super productive. Only three interceptions and 14 passes defensed over his final two years in Green Bay. That stands in stark contrast to his first year with the Packers where he was piling up picks and passes defensed by the bucketful. There is also the idea... Again, that the Packers misused him in Green Bay. Uh, he's played a lot of outside corner in in uh, Los Angeles and has had great success there. But the Packers used him primarily in the slot. And I, I think people have tried to paint the Packers as, as ignorant or backward or wherever for playing him in the slot during his time in Green Bay. But, I mean, let, think about that a little bit, though. For two of those three years, you, you still had Charles Woodson around, so he wasn't going to take Woodson's slot on the outside. You still had Sam Shields around, who was playing outside corner two. So would you have put the you would have you have put Hayward there ahead of either of those guys? Probably not. Then Woodson departs, and yeah, I guess then maybe you try him there on the outside. But by 2015, you had uh, Demarius Randall there, who the Packers wanted to play on the outside. And that's an entirely different debate about whether or not they should have been playing him at a different spot or, or whatever. But the other thing is, he did a really good job in the slot. He had a lot of success there. So why wouldn't the Packers try to play him there? Slot corner is an important position, especially with the Packers and the rest of the league trending towards more and more nickel stuff over the, the past few years. I think this is just one of those situations where, yeah, you missed. A uh, guy turned out to be way better in a different team with a different team than he was with you. Maybe part of that is your fault for how he played or how you used him while he was there. Maybe not. Maybe it just worked out for him once he moved on. I think uh, sometimes you just throw up your hands and say, yeah, didn't work out. That's a bummer. Player to watch. Let's talk about Joey Bosa. He is the older brother who, to Nick, who has been having a great season. And I think with a, a couple of injuries over the past couple of years, it's been a little bit easy to forget about Joey Bosa. Don't do that, though. Even though he's been injured, even though he missed a lot of time in 2018, he's still been productive when healthy. His production ratio is 1.96 over his past 15 games. We say one is starter level, one and a half is elite. Near two is super, super great. And he's been close to that over the past 15 games he's played, including eight this season. And in those eight games, his production ratio, sacks and tackles for loss, is 2.125. That's pretty good. He can still get after it. I think the thinking here is that shifting attention towards him may free up Melvin Ingram. It hasn't really worked out that way so far this season for the Chargers, but that's not to say it couldn't start now, especially with Brian Bulaga a little bit banged up. Uh, battling that finger injury. David Bakhtiari's ongoing struggles with, uh, well, not getting penalized. Uh, keep an eye on Joey Bosa, and to sleep on him would be a mistake. The last time the Chargers and Packers played was all the way back in 2015 at Lambeau Field. The Packers got out to a 14-3 lead in the first quarter and held on from there. This game, I think, is one of the first signs of trouble 
with the 2015 team, I think. Because even though the Packers did hold on to win, Phillip Rivers rolled up 503 yards passing. They just threw and threw and threw the ball. 65 passing attempts for Phillip Rivers that day. Demarius Randall did save the day late with a pass deflection to preserve the win, but there was reason coming out of this game to be quite concerned about the Packers' defense. And lo and behold, that turned out to hold more or less true for the balance of the season. Circle back to this game, though. What's the prediction here? Who is this Chargers team? What is this Chargers team? I am not really sure. That circles back to that irrelevancy thing that we talked about at the very start. What are they? Uh, What should you be afraid of? Anything? Really? I'm not sure. Is this a trap game then? Are the is there a chance the Packers could be looking past the Chargers? Should we be taking them more seriously than we are as fans? Again, I'm not sure. Uh, the Packers are road favorites. They're playing a team that has not put up a great record this year, even if they're better than their record, if you want to make that case. And there really isn't any reason, even if the Chargers do play one of their better games of the season, that the Packers should lose. I think the Packers are better than the best shot that the Chargers have right now. So is there a chance the Packers could still be overlooking this Chargers team? I don't know. Having listed off all those things, road favorites, Chargers aren't good. Packers are probably better than the Chargers, even if they do play a good game. I would normally throw up and something like an and yet and make some kind of point about how the Chargers could rear up and bite the Packers here. This time I've got nothing. I just, I don't see a, a real scenario where the Chargers are going to take care of the Packers this week. And sure, strange things can happen. The Packers can come out and fall on their face. Aaron Rodgers could throw five interceptions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could get hurt. We have to go with the Tim Boyle experience. But I don't think that's going to happen. The Packers are going to lose at some point this season again. I don't think 15-1 and is the Packers' final record this season. But I don't think that loss is going to come this week either. Give me Packers 30, Chargers 17 in a game that could feel a little bit sloppy at times. But I think the Packers take care of business in this one. A lot of you think the Packers are going to take care of business too. 93% of voters in our poll thought the Packers were going to come out on top this week. People are feeling good about the Packers lately. We had something, well, we had something I thought unprecedented last week. Matt LaFleur had a 100% approval rating. I thought that was pretty outstanding. But then, but then, it happened again. Matt LaFleur for the second week in a row has a 100% approval rating. It gets even crazier. Aaron Rodgers also has a 100% approval rating. Brian Gutekunst also has a 100% approval rating. Everyone is feeling really positive about the Packers right now. And that's good. The one fly in the ointment here is the 66% approval rating for Mike Pettin. That is a season-low For him, the previous season low was all the way back in week one. He was just a hair under 80%. A hair. Speaking of Mike Pettin, haha, unintentional pun there. Um, The the shine is coming off the apple a little bit for Mike Pettin. But overall, a very, very positive trend for the Packers as a whole. I have to point out that if I was 
in possession of Green Bay Packers stock, in a metaphorical sense, because literally I am in possession of Green Bay Packers stock, if I was trading the Green Bay Packers on the stock market, I think I'd be hitting the sell button right about now. How much better does it get for the Packers from here? They're going to come down at some point, and you want to be ahead of that curve if you're getting off the bandwagon, if you're inclined to get off the bandwagon. I am not getting off the bandwagon right now. I just think it's it's worth pointing out that everything is clicking right now and people are feeling really, really good about this team. What goes up must come down. We had a really great question this week from a, a listener, reader. Uh, I wanted to take an opportunity to discuss that here because this is something that could develop during this game. Jacob writes in question regarding the offense. Do you think the injury to Devontae Adams has been a good thing for the Packers? Obviously, we don't really want to start players injured, but it feels like the crutch has been removed from the offense, which has forced positive development from our group of younger receivers. The running backs who have looked great out of the backfield of late and even Aaron Rodgers. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Jacob, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think there has been an opportunity for growth for the offense as a whole. I think you you look at this as like a temporary pruning for the offense. Why do you prune a tree? Well, so the rest of the tree grows stronger and stronger. The Packers so far this year have been like a tree. They needed to grow. And to do that, they had to take away something that was important to them, Devontae Adams. Well, they had something taken away from them. They, they didn't take it away themselves, but Devontae Adams was taken away due to injury. And sometimes... To grow, you have to take away some good things for a little while. You have to deprive yourself of those comforts. I made the case about this sort of thing dating back to uh, Jordy Nelson's departure from Green Bay. If you want Aaron Rodgers to really grow into the well-rounded quarterback we know he can be down the final years of his career, maybe you need to take away some of those things that helped him get away with things within an offensive system for a long, long time. And having those super familiar receivers around lets him not necessarily play in the system, but kind of do things just on his own. Forcing him to play without Devontae Adams, I think, forces everyone in the system to play a little bit better, even Aaron Rodgers. And as Jacobs points out, or Jacob points out, the younger receivers have stepped up to an extent. I'm, I'm still not sold on a couple of those young guys. Um, but I, I don't think you necessarily have to be because Devontae Adams getting back, added back into the mix will help those guys. The running backs, though, have, have shown themselves to be great weapons in the passing game, and that is a great thing for the offense. And Aaron Rodgers is playing at an extremely high level right now. He was playing at a high level even when he had Devontae Adams and in the weeks right after when he wasn't putting up necessarily spectacular numbers. I thought he was great against the Cowboys. I thought he was great against the Lions, even though he didn't put up spectacular numbers in either of those games. But now the numbers have really started to come around, and I think there's a good chance he could have put up some big numbers again this week against the Chargers. Good question, Jacob. Thank you very much for asking. That leads me into my final point for this podcast, and we're going to do this in lieu of the litany of things that we talk about as far as supporting the show at the end. Uh, In addition to Jacob's question, I got some other really great feedback this week. Got a couple insightful comments on Twitter, some thoughtful questions there. Uh, And Angus, if you are listening to this, you have sent me probably the most comprehensive email I've ever received in terms of feedback and just thoughts and, and your own analysis of what's going on with the Packers. Thank you for that. I haven't had a chance to reply to you yet but I will. That is coming. That got me to thinking if there may be an, uh, as to whether or not there may be an opportunity to grow something here. Is there any, any interest out there among you listeners and readers of our stuff 
um, in a community, maybe a paid community type thing. Like you, you donate to our Patreon and you get access to something like a Discord server. It's what a, a lot of gamers use to connect with their fans on, on YouTube um, and stuff like that. Is there any interest in something like that? We could have discussions uh, just exclusive to the Power Sweep kind of family here. Uh, I could share some stuff that we're working on, that I'm working on directly, give you access to some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. We can do something like that if there's interest. And that is that is of interest to me because I think it's a, a way that we can give back to people who are interested in supporting the show. I like the idea of doing a community because we don't necessarily have to produce anything other than what we're doing right now. And don't get me wrong, I would love to produce more. I'd love to do more podcasts. If we could make this a daily thing, that'd be incredible. Uh, but I'd love to write more. This is what I love to do most in the world, writing and podcasting and stuff like that. And if I could do that as like a full-time job talking about the Packers, that would be absolutely outstanding. But the way life is kind of right now, I'm not sure that I can necessarily produce more stuff for you. And that's been something that's been on my mind uh, related to the Patreon. Um, we did some Patreon-exclusive podcasts over the summer, and that's something that we may return to in the future. But um, I would like an opportunity or, or a way to give people who support the show something of value or... Uh, just to do things that people find value in to, to say thank you for your generous support. So whether it's something that's paid or not, I'm not sure what this looks like. I guess I'm looking for a little bit more feedback. Is that something people would be interested in? Uh, is that something you'd pay for or just do you just want to take part in and, and just have it be a thing that we do together? I don't know. Hit me up. Uh, I, would, I would be interested to hear what people see, what people say, what people think about, uh, what people, if anything, would be willing to pay for. Um, I'm always looking for ways to, to support what we do here. And and maybe if, if we support the long-term dream, figuring out a way to, to create a sustainable source of income, um, that could make this into a full-time type gig. Who knows? Um, I'm all ears uh, because you, the listener, are going to have to be a big part of that if that's something that is going to happen someday. Let me know. I'd be interested to hearing your thoughts. We'll be back with you Monday, uh, very early Monday, very, maybe very late Sunday night with another episode, hopefully recapping another Packers win. But in the meantime, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, rate and review on your podcast listening platform of choice and keep an eye out for that next episode. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.